Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Tonight we're going to talk about fortresses and prisons. I know it sounds weird, but you'll catch it. Fortresses and prisons. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together. We do so in the name of Jesus. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds that are open. Change us by what we hear from glory to glory by your spirit. Conform us to your image and likeness. Enable us, dear Father God, to be shining lights in this world of darkness, holding forth the word of life to this, our generation, that we might reach out and touch hearts and change lives everywhere we go. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I think by now, if you have been a believer for any length of time, you know that you're in a spiritual warfare. Anybody here find that out? Right. See, I think those out there in the world think that, oh, we're crazy because... You know, the devil isn't real, demons aren't real, but I got news for them. Jesus talked more about the devil when he was here on this earth than he did even angels. So devil is real, demons are real, evil spirits are real, and I got, I guess, really a news flash for you this evening. They don't like us. They hate us. They can't stand us. They want to seek to devour us like Peter said. Seeking whom he may devour. They want to destroy us. They want to come against our lives in powerful ways to see to it that we don't succeed in serving God. Well, knowing this, it's important and we understand how to stand against their attacks. Attacks that come against our thinking and our belief system. Why? Because they want to establish strongholds in our lives. And we're going to talk about that. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. Here, Paul talks about, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Your neighbor is not who you're warring with. Your boss is not who you're warring with. Your spouse is not who you're warring with. You see, the warfare goes behind the scenes. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It takes the mighty power of God to pull down what? Strongholds. And then notice, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Everybody say every thought. Every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Now we want to define a stronghold. A stronghold. We're going to give you two words that will help us better describe what a stronghold is. Number one, it's a fortress. And if you were to study ancient times, you'll find out that they used to build these fortresses like citadels. And these fortresses were designed in such a way so that they were very thick. Their walls were very thick and very high. And very impenetrable. So that no enemy could come in and bring harm to the people within. So the design, you say, is like one of, let's say, Jericho's walls. Jericho's walls were noted for being very wide. So wide you can use two chariots next, side by side next to each other and right around the top of them. So thick you couldn't get through them. It was fortified. And it was designed to keep the enemy out and the people safe within. So that's a fortress. But then also a prison. A prison. A prison is also a fortified place. As a matter of fact, the Greek word that's used for stronghold eventually became the same word that's translated prison. So the prison, of course, is a place where the walls are fortified and there's bars. 
But notice the difference between the two. These bars, these guards, these walls that are fortified don't keep people out. They keep people from getting out. So as you look at the twofold meaning of the stronghold, you've got a fortified place that stops people from getting in, the enemy from getting in. And then you have a fortified place that stops or prevents people from getting out. So it works both ways. Now let's take over to the spiritual realm. Satanic stronghold defined. This is a fortified place built on lies that acts like a fortress or a prison in a person's mind and emotions. It's a fortified place that's built on lies. And what does it do? Acts like a fortress or prison in a person's life that is in their mind and emotions. For example, the fortress. This will keep out anyone that would try to enter in that they would consider to be an enemy to change their way of thinking. Remember in Mark 7.13 when Jesus talked about traditions? The traditions of men made the word of God ineffective. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which you have delivered and many such like things do ye. So what's he trying to say to these people? Traditions inside a person's life is like a fortified place that cannot be penetrated by truth. See, to, to tradition, think about this, truth is an enemy. Remember the first time you told somebody that didn't understand about being born again and they looked at you real weird like and thought you were some, from some other planet? I had that happen in my life and I tried to tell people about being born again and you talk about plowing up against a stump or running into a brick wall that religious tradition was so fortified in that person's life that that truth could not penetrate it. It was ineffective. You try to pull down, break down these strongholds of religious traditions in people's lives that all their years of life they, they were trained a certain way. And then truth comes along. Jesus, who says, I am the truth, tried to penetrate their lives, but he couldn't get through to them many of them. Why? Because they were living in their fortified place. Truth was an enemy. What they embraced was their tradition, their religious ideas. They lived the way they wanted to live. They did what they wanted to do. They didn't want any of that. So that was an enemy on the outside trying to get in, disrupt things on the inside. So they've got these fortified places. But then also it's a prison. And this is when satanic lies operating in the soul hold a person captive. In other words, you can't escape it. You can't get out. And it's like they're behind mental and emotional bars. That's what their belief is. And as they look out and they see life, they look through these emotional and mental bars. And they're in this prison. And they don't want to get out. They're not going to get out. And so in your life, if you're thinking about yourself or even other people, that you know are so steeped in their ways, are so steeped in their mindset, the way they are thinking, and if their thinking is not in line with the Word of God, usually that person has a stronghold built up by the enemy in his or her thinking, in his or her mind, that needs to be dealt with. When you grow up in a, a, a home and you're taught a certain way, you're trained to think that way. And you strongly believe that way. I know myself growing up in my home, the traditional home that I lived in with the religion that I grew up in, I believed a specific and certain way. And when someone came and rocked the boat and told me you had to be born again, I couldn't buy it. Actually, I was afraid of it at the beginning. Either I thought they were crazy you know, until I opened up my Bible and saw that's what Jesus said, then thank God, truth penetrated my fortress. Amen. Amen. And you know what? Truth liberated me, set me free. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So we need to be mindful of the fact that we can have built up within our lives strongholds. In some cases, don't even realize it. 
Now, look at uh, Acts chapter 26 and verse 28. Paul is preaching the gospel before Agrippa. And when he gets done preaching the gospel, Agrippa says this. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Why almost? He couldn't penetrate to get through to his heart because of his belief system, because of his way of thinking. Maybe he couldn't just wrap his brain around it. Maybe he stumbled over the resurrection from the dead. Whatever it might be, he came close, but he didn't go all the way. That's why Jesus left us as ambassadors here upon the earth to preach the gospel to people, to break through all the tradition, the fortified places, and let those prisoners go free. And the only thing that can do that is truth. Now, there are two kinds of strongholds. There's the rational stronghold, and look at Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 while I'm saying this. There's the rational one because you see it makes sense. He said casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. But notice the word imaginations. I have listed there for you the Greek word and the Greek word actually means logic or logical thinking. Casting down logical thinking or logic that exalts itself, notice the high rise against the knowledge of God. It's an exalted place in one's thinking that really takes it above the knowledge of God. But notice it's logic. And there's nothing wrong with logic. We need to have a sound mind. We need to understand the need to be sensible about things. But did you know in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6 we are told trust the Lord with all your heart not your logic and lean not to your own understanding or logic in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path why does he say that because sometimes and if not most of the time if not all the time logic you know what it'll do it'll take us away from the will of God the walls of Jericho came tumbling down because Joshua ignored logic can you imagine is there anything logical about walking around those walls once a day for seven days and on the seventh day seven times that's illogical ask any uh, leader in the army any captain absolutely illogical but he trusted the Lord with his heart he didn't lean on his logic but then you have another other side of the coin you got someone by the name of Naaman and when he got to the prophet and he didn't come out prophet didn't come out he sent a servant out he said go dip seven times in the water and you'll come clean again and what does he do I thought I thought see he had his own thoughts he had his own ideas he had his own ways and these strongholds are developed in people's lives when people listen to the lies of the devil and tell them something other than what God said. And that's exactly what he did. He pictured this in his mind. He had this painted in his mind. Stronghold was there. And even though the prophet told him exactly what to do, he refused to do it. But notice, all it took was the advice or the counsel of a servant who I guess knew exactly where to poke him. We should be looking for that spot in people's lives. Where can we poke them? Prod them? Reach them? He said, Master, if he asked you to do some valiant thing, you would have done it. Go dip into muddy water and come out cleansed of leprosy. Is that too hard? Well, I guess you're right. And he went and did it. You see, that's where pride comes in. When we think we know more than God, or we can do it better than God. And trust me, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. Infiltrate our minds with thinking that contradicts God's word. To get us to act upon it and build up these strongholds. Now, irrational thinking. 
irrational thinking. This has to do with unrealistic fears and phobias that people have. There's the fear of rejection, the fear of dying prematurely. There's the fear of what one individual said I have written there for you, going into anaphylactic shock over everything she wears, eats, or drinks. There's the fear of change, failure, success, commitment, loss, taking risks, and, and many, many different fears that people can have. The fear of the unknown sometimes. But what happens is it captures people's thinking in their minds. You know the devil can paint a picture in your mind and produce a fortified place in your life and it's unrealistic, it doesn't even exist. It happens all the time with people. They're afraid to step out because they might fail. They're afraid to go forward because they may not succeed. So what happens is the enemy speaking through his emissaries will tell these people all these different things. And they fall for it. And they listen to it. And what ends up happening is a stronghold is built up. And as that stronghold is built up, it controls the person's life. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He just needs a little bit of an inroad, an open door to brick by brick put together a fortified place and stronghold. It could be a fear, it could be doubt, it could be anxiety, it could be worry. The Bible says it's really useless and vain for us to go to sleep, not to go to sleep at night, but to stay up and eat the bread of sorrows and thinking about things and worrying over things. When Jesus said, take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, drink, or what you're going to wear and put on. But yet, a lot of people have panic attacks over things that are even unrealistic. And that's why God wants us to do what? To meditate His Word. And let his word sink into our hearts and minds and ears. Because if anybody is going to build a stronghold in my life or your life. Who should it be? God. How is he going to build that in my life? By getting the word over to me. Getting me to look at the word. Think the word. Speak the word. Muse over the word. Meditate the word. Hear myself say the word constantly. Why? So he can build a stronghold. I'm, I'm mindful of. I just shared this with someone recently. David being the shepherd of the sheep was sold out and committed to the sheep. So sold out and so committed that he was willing to lay down his life to stand against a lion and a bear to spare the sheep. This wasn't something he just did just, just to show off. He literally loved those sheep. He cared about them. And he sacrificed his life. But he also knew that he could do that. Why? Because he was the shepherd of the sheep, not a hireling, a true shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. But he knew the great shepherd. He knew the Lord is my shepherd. I may be the shepherd of the sheep, and look how well I take care of them. But I have one shepherding my life. He's my shepherd, and I shall not want. Think about that. Start thinking about where that 23rd Psalm came from. He's watching the sheep. He cares for the sheep. He knows how he loves the sheep and how well he does care for the sheep and how he would defend the sheep and fight for the sheep. And he takes that to another realm and says, the Lord's my shepherd. I don't want. Oh, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Build that as a fortified place in our hearts and in our minds. Wouldn't that be wonderful if everyone did that? And then, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and in Him do I trust. You talk about building up in our thinking, a stronghold, a fortified place for God, so He can control our lives. You talk about taking me prisoner, taking you prisoner, wouldn't you just love to be his prisoner? Paul said, I'm a prisoner for Christ. I'm a prisoner of his love. I love being protected within the bars of his gates. Isn't that beautiful to know? I don't want out. He keeps the enemy out and it keeps me protected within. That's my, part of my prayer for my children every day is, thank you for making hard the bars of our gates, protecting our family from within, from all loss, harm, damage, injury, molestation, abuse, abduction, acts of terrorism, evil plagues, and accidents. In our pathways life, there's no death. Thank you, Father, for surrounding us with your protective hand, as with a shield. Amen. And so, an irrational one could be any one of these things. But look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. 
if any of these things control our lives mentally or emotionally, they've got to be dealt with. How? How are we going to deal with them? With the Word of God. The Word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. There it is right there. There's the difference. The soul and spirit can be divided by the word of God. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's the word of God that pierces through. That's the only thing that can penetrate those fortified walls. But you know what? The word spoken by the power of the Holy Spirit. The two working together to bring down the walls. Absolutely, you could say demolish the walls. That structure of a stronghold in a person's mind. You know people that are just so worrisome, so full of anxiety, and so overwhelmed by life, and you step back and you kind of wonder, why is it that way? Why are you so overcome with worry and anxiety? Why are you having panic attacks when you know the Creator, when you know He's your Father, and you know that He loves you and cares about you? Why? Because you see, we live in the natural world. And the enemy comes along and he paints pictures that he wants us to see or envision. He wants us to see ourselves defeated. He wants us to see ourselves destroyed and overcome. Ill-equipped, you say, to handle the situations of life. And he'll paint that picture with words constantly. That's why it's so important that what we do is we look to the word of God and say, if I'm going to be a prisoner, it's not going to be for the devil. It's going to be for God. I'll be his prisoner. Amen. Some questions here for us to answer. Are there areas of our thinking controlled by lies or fear or doubt or worry? Are there certain areas of our thinking that's controlled by lies? You know, we're exposed to it every single day. For example, sometimes you send your children off and they go. Maybe they just started driving and you've got all these concerns and you hear all these thoughts going in your head. All the lies that are bombarding. What if they get into an accident? What's happening? The enemy is trying to paint a picture in your mind of destruction. We have to resist those thoughts immediately and replace them with the word of God and declare it boldly say it as far as I'm concerned the angels of the Lord are loosed to minister for my, my child no matter where they go they're surrounded by the holy angels of God what a difference it makes when you quote or declare the word of God in a situation rather than listening to the lies of the devil number two are we constantly attacked in areas of our self worth and self image are we constantly being told how we're without value, no, having no worth, our life is meaningless, not, we're not worth anything. Guarantee you, those words are satanic in origin, and they are endeavoring to build a stronghold in a person's life. A stronghold, a fortified place, number one, to keep the truth out, and number two, to keep you a prisoner to low self-esteem and low self-image. And you know what? A lot of people fall for it because they don't see who they are in Christ and know what they have in Christ. A lot of people want to walk away and give up on life because they hear those words. Maybe they heard those words when they were growing up. Maybe they heard those words from their peers. But wherever we know where they come from. Designed to do what? Imprison somebody and prevent truth from penetrating. Oh, there's been so many times talking with people and you think, oh my goodness, I need the jackhammer of the Holy Spirit to break through this. I remember talking to people, for example, I don't know that I'm saved. What do you mean you don't know that you're saved? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord? Oh, yes, I've done that. You've asked Him to come into your heart. Oh, yes, I've done that. But I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm saved. I have no assurance of my salvation. And they'll accept Christ. And then they'll accept Christ again. And sometimes six months down the road, again, we've got to do it again. Well, what's the problem here? The problem is the person is exposed to these lies of the devil pointing out any flaw, 
any sin, any shortcoming, and then telling them the lie that you've done that so you mustn't be saved. Because you acted this, this way. You mustn't be saved. And you know what? They buy it. They listen to it. They embrace it, accept it. And then they'll go for a while, kind of give up on their walk with God until something strikes them and hits them. Then they realize, I got to get right with God again. What's important is to build a fortified place with the truth of God's word. Let's go to the next question. So that the lies can be overcome with truth. Do these attacks cause dysfunction mentally or emotionally? Erratic behavior. Not being able to sleep. Not being able to eat. Becoming so worrisome that you're walking the floors at night. Those kinds of things. Maybe it could include panic attacks. Etc. See, these attacks cause dysfunction and emotional instability probably indicate that there is a stronghold built up in that person's life. Go to the next question. Do you feel imprisoned by these thoughts and emotions? Do you feel like as though you can't escape them? They're everywhere you go, everywhere you look, surrounding you. Well, if you can say yes to these questions, then once again, the chances are any of these questions, there is a satanic stronghold built up in your mind that is controlling your life. And it's time to do something about it. It is time to make a decision that enough is enough. And that I am no longer going to be bound as a prisoner by the lies and the schemes of the enemy who wants to destroy and devour my life. I am going to rise up above this and I'm going to do what the word says. Look at the answer. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 again. Casting down imaginations. Casting down the reasonings. Casting down those lies that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. I need to know what the knowledge of God is. I need to know what God says about me. I need to know what God thinks about me. I need to know the value of my life according to what the word of God teaches. I need to know that there is something that has liberated me called the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I am free indeed because of the truth that reveals to me I'm a child of God. I'm seated with him in the high heavenly places. Uh, it's important that we take our, thought ca our thoughts captive. Why? Because if we don't take our thoughts captive, our thoughts will take us captive. Our thoughts will imprison us and keep us in captivity, bound with chains and fetters, incapable of getting loose and truly live in our freedom in Christ. God doesn't want us to be bound by those lies, imprisoned by those thoughts, seeing ourselves defeated, incapable of overcoming and barely getting along through life. No. He wants us to embrace the truth and get a hold of it, walk in the light of it until it changes our lives. I want you to notice that Paul did not say to take the devil captive. Did he say that? He said, take what? Every thought captive. Notice that? It's taking every thought captive. Make captive the word of God in our lives, in other words. If we're going to be held captive by anything, be held captive by the word of God. You know, when you're in captivity, you have very little freedom to do anything, to go anywhere, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. I don't think there's pizza delivery at the local prison. I don't think you can have caterers come in and bring you a nice Italian dinner or whatever you like. No, you're going to eat what they give you. You're going to go where they tell you to go. You're going to do what they tell you to do because you are their prisoner. Thank God we can be his prisoner. I would rather be a prisoner to the word of God than anything else in life. I am bound by his word. In other words, my thoughts are going to be God's thoughts.
My ways are going to be God's ways. I am going to have built up in me a fortress and a prison that the enemy and his thoughts and ways cannot penetrate. I'm, I'm going to be God's prisoner on the inside and I refuse to step out from that place of protection. Amen? Amen. So we take our thoughts captive how? Look at John 8, 31 and 32. We take them captive by constantly repeating what the word of God says to repudiate the thought or refute the thought that comes against our mind. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall what? Liberate you. Make you free. Deliver you from that way of thinking. Oh, beloved, I know the world has a way to help people, but I'm going to tell you something right now. There is nothing better than God's way. I know people that were bound on medication because of emotional stress and etc. Dysfunctional in their thinking and all that. But you know what? Sat around the teaching of God's word and got a hold of it and thank God there was no need for the medication any longer. Because you see they believed the lie before. This is who I am. This is how I am. This is what I need to function. I can't function without this. Who says? Who says? I'll never forget years ago telling this to a woman. I said come to church. Come to church. It was downtown Midland. Come to church. Sit under the ministry of the word for a while. And she did. She got rid of all her medication. She was delivered and set free from panic attacks and all kind of emotional upheaval in her life. Went off to school at Ramah as well. And was delivered and set free. What did it? It was the word. It was the word of God. She became a prisoner to the word of God. And she realized that she did have the right and authority to allow the truth of God's word to just dismantle that stronghold the devil built up in her life. A lot of people don't know that they can rise up above those things. They don't recognize that. They don't realize that. You know why? Because they've been taught whatever happens is God's will. See, whatever will be is whatever will be. Well, that is a lie straight from the pit. It doesn't have to be that way. There's no way out. Oh, yes, there is. There's a way of escape. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. And praise God, we don't need to be a prisoner to any stronghold of the enemy. Now, the truth can't liberate us if we don't act upon it. Book of Philippians, classic example. Here's what he says. After he says, whatever you're going through, take it to God by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Then the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Finally, my brethren, what's left to do is this. Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue, any praise, do what? Think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall what? Be with you. Now, it's up to us to do something with what we think about. I, if I don't think on things that are true, honest, just, good, etc., then I'm not doing what God said to do. Why does God want me to do that? Because of something that is called the theory of displacement. And this is the theory of displacement. The theory of displacement is it holds that two objects can't occupy the same space at the same time. You can't have the thoughts of God and the thoughts of devil operating at the same time or occupying the same space. So when you start speaking the word, what does it do? It displaces the enemy. It kicks him out. He's no longer in control. But if you'll listen to him speaking into your ear, his thoughts, his wants for your life, then you're going to kick out what God has to say about it. God wants us to over and over and over again fill our minds with the thoughts of his word. 
Why? So that we would build these fortified places for him. We would be renewed or transformed rather by the renewing of our minds. We would begin to think the way he wants us to think. We would be again a fortified place for God. A prisoner for God. And the enemy will try to penetrate from without with lies. And if you think the Jericho's walls were thick and big and high. Well guess what? Gods are a lot higher, thicker, and bigger. And no matter what the enemy comes against us with, with his lies. Why do you think he said in Ephesians 6, take the belt of truth. The belt of truth is going to be what's going to hold everything else in place. Your shield of faith, the belt of truth. Get a hold of the truth because the truth liberates and will make you free. And then you build up that fortified place so that you cannot be penetrated by the lies of the devil any longer. This is so important for us to understand and to know. It's up to us to act upon the word of God this way and see to it that the enemy cannot penetrate our walls of truth. Amen? So by focusing on what God says, we force the enemy, whatever he says, what the enemy says out of our lives. It forces him out. That's why it's so important to just continue praising God after you've asked him to do something. Why? Because when you're praising God, you've got all those thoughts in your mind about what you're praising and what you're thanking him for that the thoughts of the enemy have no place to get into you because they can't occupy any space when God's there occupying that space. Now, notice in Romans chapter 1, and this is really going to get serious here about how this works. This is what happened to man. And... I say that because this is what's happening today. Our young people's minds are being exposed to some things that they shouldn't be exposed to. Look at this. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. What are we supposed to do with these vain imaginations? Cast them down. But they didn't. And their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie. Did you get that? See it's truth that builds up fortified places for God. It's the lie that builds up a fortified place for the devil. And worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did, did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one for another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. You see how far the mind can go away from God? See what happens when man says I'm going to think the way I want to think or he's going to think the way the devil wants him to think or he's going to be open to the suggestive thoughts of the devil making him think that this is okay. I just had a text sent to me here this, this evening and that text said this that Nike have, has fired Manny Pacquiao 
because of his comments about the LGBT. So, because he had a position where he doesn't believe that that lifestyle is sanctioned by God and he is a Christian, you're talking about millions and millions of dollars sacrificed because he said what he believed. Oh, it's happening in our country. It's happening in our lives. It's happening because when you take a stand for truth, you're going to be persecuted. And here's what's sad about it. Our young people are being exposed to these things and if we don't speak up and let them know what's right and what's wrong, they will have built in their lives satanic strongholds making them think that it's okay. It's already happened with our politicians. It's happening in our society. People think they're the right ones and we're the wrong ones because we quote the Bible. It's happening. And the sad part about it, in supposed Christian circles, it's being accepted in different churches and so on. It's happening. What's happening? Strongholds are being built up in people's minds that are lies. And people are being imprisoned in their thinking. And as a result, they're held in captivity and believe that way. As I share with you about my son, Andrew's just so heartbroken over one of his friends because he comes from an atheistic family. And he's just so heartbroken. He said, because, Dad, I'm trying to tell them about Jesus, but they don't want me to tell them anymore. I said, that's okay. You sow the seed, son. Someone else will come along and water it, and God will give the increase. He said, but I feel so bad for him. What if Jesus comes? You know? I said, well, he's a righteous God. He's a righteous judge. He judges righteously. If this young person has never had the opportunity to truly hear and know and understand the truth, you know, God will be merciful, but we'll, we'll leave it at that because he's young, doesn't know. But um, think about that. Whether you grew up in a home that was atheistic or you grew up in a home, let's say there were a bunch of agnostics, or you grew up in a home that practiced a religion that is not biblical, Everywhere throughout this country, people are being reared up a certain way. And these strongholds are built up in people's minds. Satanic strongholds in fortified places that we need to penetrate. You see why it takes the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit? What did he say? Cast down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring the captivity every time through the beings of Christ. Our weapons of warfare are mighty through God to pull down these strongholds. And there's nothing more powerful than the word of God. You see why we need to speak the word empowered by the spirit to penetrate through these walls that imprison people and hold them in captivity? These fortresses are like Jericho. They're not greater than the power of God. Amen? So, number six, we blow up the fortress. How are we going to blow up these fortresses? If it's in your own personal life, number one, you identify the root cause of your feelings. Why do I feel this way? You know, some believers, believe it or not, hold unforgiveness. And they're imprisoned by it. I'm telling you, not just for days, weeks, months, and in some cases I've heard years. And I'm thinking, my goodness, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you hold unforgiveness in your heart for years? No matter what someone did, when Jesus said clearly, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Wouldn't you be concerned about holding on in your heart towards anyone? But you see, these satanic strongholds are built up in people's lives and they really believe that they have to be led by their feelings and emotions. And just because they might, may have said one time, I forgive you, but yet they have those feelings of unforgiveness and bitterness within their lives. They feel like as though that they're still in that state of un unforgiving, unforgiving people, not forgiving people or bitter. There's where we fight the good fight of faith and start rising up and just saying, I forgive you no matter what. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a decision. I make a decision to forgive no matter what. And when that thought comes, 
you haven't really forgiven, you take a stand and you rebuke it and reject it and renounce it and just say, I have decided to forgive. I have forgiven. End of story. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. I will never have it brought up ever again. You know, when you make that decision, it's so easy to just to destroy and demolish that stronghold in your life. Find out or identify the root cause. What's the root cause of your feeling? Number two, find out what the word says. What does the word say about it? And when you find out what the word says, make sure you vocalize it. You verbalize it. You let the enemy know this is what the word said. What did Jesus do? It is written. His, the enemy's MO has never changed. He's always trying to deceive people by injecting thoughts very subtly to control their lives through their thought life. If the, he can get them to think it, believe it, and speak it, he's got them captured and imprisoned. But if we can get the word of God to people's hearts and minds and we can get them to think it, believe it, and speak it, we'll liberate them and set them free. Find out what the word of God says and say it. So for example, let's just say you're bound by a fear and there's a fortified place that the enemy has in your life and fear is just absolutely all over you, just controlling your life, your behavior, your thoughts, your attitude. You're anxious, you're full of anxiety and worry and frustration and all that through fear. Find out what God said about fear. What did God say about fear? Fear not, I am with you. And start saying it and saying it and saying it. And whenever the thought comes to you that he's not with you, you're, you're, you're alone, you're by yourself, you're not going to make, you make sure. God's not giving me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. My God is with me, I fear not. He is in me, he is for me, he is on my side, and if God be for me, who can be against me? I will not fear, even though the mountains are removed and cast into the midst of the sea, because beneath me are the everlasting arms of my Father. You make sure that you continue to say what the word of God says. And then number three, declare war on your feelings and emotions. Declare war on these feelings and thoughts that come against your mind. Declare war. We got to get vehement about it. We got to get to the place where we're not just passively doing it. We are aggressive. I refuse to think that way anymore. You had me before, but I've been liberated. I've been delivered. I've been set free. Don't tell me I can't do it because I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Don't tell me I won't make it. He's the strength of my life. He's going to put me over and make me a success. I'm not looking to myself. I'm not depending on myself. Declare war on those feelings and thoughts. Then number f under D, refuse to receive the old thoughts. Ref you realize that you can reject them just like you can reject the package from being delivered to your house oh take it back I don't want it what do you mean take it back I don't want it so when the thought comes to our minds get out of here I don't want it I reject it I'm not going to think it I refuse to entertain it get behind me and then speak the word as Jesus did as he said it is written it is written it is written it is written and that's all there is to it that is where I am in bound. I am bound to the word of God. I am bound to the spirit of God. I absolutely refuse to be bound to your lies any longer. And then finally, worship God for the truth. Hallelujah. Thank God for the truth. It's the truth that liberates. It's the truth that makes us free. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, once we get saved, what did uh, Paul the Apostle say we have to do? He wants all men saved and coming to the what? The knowledge of the truth. Why? He knows the operation. He knows what the enemy is going to want to do. He knows he comes immediately when people hear the word to, that's sown to, to remove it from the person's life. He'll bring persecution, affliction, cares of this life deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, everything in his arsenal to try to get us away from the truth. Because he knows once we build truth into our hearts and lives and put it in our mouths, we're not going to be his slaves any longer. Enough is enough. Amen. God wants us to rise up and take a stand and build a fortress and a prison for yourself in God. Can you imagine that? 
fortified walls that the enemy cannot penetrate. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.